welcome to Take 10 for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatzis. I am the host of the show, and we speak to men from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Walland. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good. There's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. It's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop every Monday morning, so make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so you're the first to know when they're available. Welcome to Take 10 for Men. We are 10-minute conversations with inspiring men about how they manage their mental health. And today I'm joined by the modern bloke or otherwise known as Sean Coffin. Sean, how are you? Uh, Good, thanks. Uh, The real answer or the the fake one? Oh, I'd love the real answer. What's the real answer? Uh, In in the theme of honesty, not great. Um, I've just gone through a week and a half of isolation for COVID that's hit uh, both my fiancé and myself and my 13-month-old son. Um, That then led into he was out of isolation, went to daycare and got gastro, which then the fiancé got. (laughs) He was coming good for that and then decided to have five teeth come through. And after that, found out that he got a bad case of gastro and is now gluten intolerant for um, a month and we've been feeding him yogurt and cheese. Um, So we've had about five days of 11 at night till three in the morning screaming Um, and then during the day, same as well. So, yeah, it's been very stressful Um, in terms of just an everyday day. It's not not a great week. Oh, mate, I'm so sorry to hear that. But also thank you for being so honest and asking that straight off the bat. I... um, as you know, like I know that you've listened to a couple of episodes and you probably knew the first question which was coming, which was how are you on a scale of one to ten? So I'm really glad that you kind of beat me to the punch there um, and and answered really honestly. I'm really sorry. And I know before you mentioned before we got on air that I might hear a crying baby. So that makes a lot of sense. On that note of vulnerability and honesty, I would love to get to the crux of why I've got you on here. And when – I reached out to my audience asking for recommendations as to who to have on the podcast. Your name was the one that came up definitely the most. And I know that we follow each other and I followed your story for a while, but I would love to hear in your words um, for our audience, what is the modern bloke and where did that come from? Yeah. um, First of all, thanks to all my (laughs) my followers that have reached out then, Uh, you know, the people power. Um, the modern bloke itself as a page is kind of like an idea or a conversation starter or a thought starter uh, for all blokes and women as well in society as to, okay, what, what's the evolution of what a man is um, and what a bloke, an Aussie bloke is in society? Um, I hate the term, I'm very beyond language, so I hate the term like, you know, changing men's culture or bloke's culture, but it's evolving. It's like, how do we grow? And that's only a collective in society. So it's, you know, each individual putting their own what are their modern bloke and what do they think that we should be standing for moving forward, forgetting about all the past, let's just, you know, moving forward. And then for women, you know, communication with women and from women as to what they would like to see and what they value and dislike um, as well. Unfortunately, the conversations that were being had at that time, probably a couple of years ago or 10 years ago, was um, either being had at men, um, you know, this is what men need to be, um, the irony that I saw there was that, okay, we're talking about issues that men are emotionally and we're talking at them. Those two things don't connect. We're saying that they shut off if we talk at them and yet we're talking at them. Um, or um, men's rights activists, kind of like, you know, the toxic side of um, 
men's men's being vocal and i just thought well if that's the only voice that boys and other men are hearing then that's what they're going to perpetuate as what a man is um so i wanted to start and having another voice in that as well i love that and you do some really awesome work around discussing fatherhood and like what modern fatherhood looks like as well which i really want to get to but you also do a lot of work around self-development so you really want to sort of improve the person to become the best version of themselves, and it happens to be that we're speaking to men. Um, but you do talk a little bit about good masculinity, and we might talk about healthy masculinity in the same kind of way. Can you talk me through what you perceive good masculinity to actually look like in the modern man? Yeah, um, one of the things for it is, and I, I know your background is in journalism and mine's in marketing, and I my my end game is to have a book called The Brand of Man, and I think that um, when we're thinking of masculinity or or men, boys, men all think they have an image, and that image is perpetuated around. Um, I look at it as um, something that we need to role model more positive and more healthy, and then we're going to get people gravitating towards that because in marketing, that's what you kind of do. You want to show people using your product and and have them aspire to be that. Um, versus if you just talk about negative stuff and I, I think footy players are a classic example where you look at say a, a, a toxic and a healthy masculinity or a negative masculinity and um i look at okay binge drinking um you know all the physical altercations that you see footy players get into that's uh, you know with their misplaced aggression that's bad masculinity whereas you then see I, I, it's been heartwarming following you know masculinity over the decades and seeing now Football players, when they win the grand final, they go and put their kid in the cup or they go and hug their wife and they're carrying their kids through the banners. Um, I know I'm Essendon, so Dyson Heppel's got a little mate that um, is suffering and they're genuinely good mates, but you never, you don't say that enough. Um, I think healthy masculinity is really doing your what's good for your, like your virtues and living to your true self and really questioning why you're doing stuff. You know, are you saying a comment or are you doing an action because of you genuinely think that that's who you are as a person or are you doing it because just everyone else does it? Um, and if you can live to your values, and I generally think that most people um, are good and then you're going to drag people to be better as well. To speak further to that when we talk about virtues and values, um, how do you embody or what are the values that, are most important to you and have they changed over time as a man? Um, well, they've definitely changed. Um, and I think along my my personal journey, as I said, one of the things, and I know you've had a lot of um, guests on that have had similar experiences. I think a lot of guys around, you know, your early to mid-30s as well, we've done a lot of thinking, but we grew up in a bad culture. My values used to be drinking, women, partying, don't take life too seriously, Peter Pan syndrome. Um, and not being emotional and not, not talking to my friends and, um, you know, whether they're values or actions, but that's definitely changed along the way of what I've really started to question myself and, you know, learn a lot. Um, I think society's gradually catching up and doing a lot more stuff with that. Um, so my values now are, you know, around honesty, integrity, um, family, just and, and trying to just be um, of purpose to society and trying to help people. 
Yeah, and you certainly do that. And part of the way that you do that, obviously, is on social media. But the other component of that is your workshop. So the Blokes and Brews workshops, which I want to talk to you a little bit more in depth and give you the opportunity to talk to me about how profound those are. Because you put men in these environments where they're drinking coffee or drinking beer, um, which is kind of like what you would call a sort of ability to bond over a brew. And in those situations and in those workshops, you provide space for the men to be vulnerable and to share sort of what they're going through. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you've noticed as a common thread in your workshops, because providing that space, I'm assuming, would give people the opportunity to share some pretty profound things. What would you say has been like the common thread in your workshops that you've noticed since you started them? What I found most profound is the camaraderie (laughs) once we have discussions the honesty when you question guys, I think um, when, you know, if we ask about a, a negative trait that men have and ask them why, they'll be honest and say, you know, they don't like it. And also um, the ability to be both vulnerable and insightful. Um, and I think we don't give, and this is that branding thing, if we have a brand in society that men aren't vulnerable and we continually kind of like talk about them not being vulnerable and needing to open up or not being insightful and needing to be more insightful, They'll just think they're not, whereas in reality, they actually are given the chance. Um, They can be quite profound and quite supportive, and that's probably been most um, shocking to me when a guy will stand up and say, I've got an issue with, and Mm -hmm. then people will offer suggestions or be like, mate, you know, come here if, um, you know, you need someone for support. And I guess part of the modern bloke is trying to change the culture where we don't need that gap between getting – encouraging guys to open up and getting support um it's just that's natural yeah and this speaks perfectly to my next question which is actually about a quote that you posted on your instagram and you said awareness is great action is great culture is greater and i loved that what did you mean about culture is greater well part of my um, studies in uni was with marketing and products and trends is cultural change over generations. And the issue is if we're trying to get people, guys that aren't vulnerable or aren't talking about their issues, if we're trying to just, you know push them to do it, then we're going against what's culturally ingrained. And that's just going to be a lot of energy and very tiring. Um, and we're only going to get the guys that we're able to attack directly or approach directly. If we change the culture where it just becomes more natural and guys are just doing it um, and it becomes part of, well, this is just normal, then we actually have a much better impact. And it's almost like the analogy, instead of pulling guys up from the stream, we stop them from pulling in. Um, And um, and with um, that, with the culture, I explain to guys, you know, because you you do get pushback, like, oh, you know, that's what girls do or stuff like that, or it's just awkward at first, which it's hell awkward. But... The explanation is if we do that, we'll get less depression, less anxiety, less issues in um, our life. We won't get remove them all, but it's just going to be a weight off it. So when you talk about, you know, people doing are you okay day, gotcha for life, it's okay not to be okay, and people posting that, the discussion's linking that into, okay, well, let's figure out what we can do just in everyday culture. Um, and I've got a mate that I catch up with regularly at lunch times, and um, first thing we do is – we give each other a hug and then we just say, right, is everything okay? Mm. And that's literally our chance to say exactly what you said at the start where it's instead of just 
if we don't do that, we put it off, we banter, and then we go, oh, shit, this is a good conversation. I don't want to bring down the mood. And then we just walk off and we don't say anything, whereas this is a chance to go, you know what, I'm actually struggling. Um, can we talk about it? And some and nine times out of ten, it's, mate, everything's all right. How's things yet? Cool. Let's go into banter. Uh, but if we can get that into our culture um, and, and misspell the myth, and I say the blokes that you have a catch-up on a Saturday afternoon beer with watching the footy, they're the guys you should be able to talk to, but not the myth that you talk to them on Saturday night watching the footy or Saturday night watching the footy and break down crying and you're the sookie one. It's you talk to them and say, you know, things aren't good. Let's not talk about it now, but do you want to grab a coffee tomorrow or, you know, grab a beer during the week and, or, you know, just message one-on-one. Um, you start that culture. A question on that point as well, which I'm finding very interesting in doing this podcast is that I often find that there's a bit of an age divide because what I've found is that, and this is the case of men and women alike, the late teens, early 20s is a real period that is quite tumultuous, chaotic. It's as you said, you know, you were immersed in that footy banter culture and as you grew older, you almost grew out of it. Do you think that that is the case or do you think that it comes down to more a self-awareness? Like do people grow out of that or do they need permission to grow into something else? Both. That's a great question. Um, and I think it's understanding that where um, the learning curve of the of the growing out of it can be influenced and it quite quickened up if we have a focus when they are teens and kind of, looking at it and going, well, it is a fact they are in that tumultuous year. They're highly impressionable in those years. So let's use that to our advantage rather than disadvantage. Mm. And a lot of that comes from the role modelling and having these conversations. And because of at 16, I know Dylan Roos does this really good, at, you know, 15 to 22, mm. where they're looking out for external, what, where do I fit in and what do I do? And, you know, I'm a footy player. So on the news, what am I seeing footy players do? And that's what I'm going to then do. Um, that, you know, it's just that's how they do it. We can use that to our advantage. And I always empower, and that's the I'm showing up, is that you'll get generally the good guys are the humble guys, mm. the not-so-good guys are the more vocal guys, and that's because they will elevate what they're good at. If it's drinking, if it's being disrespectful to women, everything like that, that's their strength. So they're going to over-importance it so that they don't have to compete with someone that's respectful to women or, you know, doesn't drink as much or whatever it is. Now, if we only let the vocal ones talk, that's going to be the impression. That's where we're going to start diverting the, the next generation into. Don't have to silence that. But if we in, increase the voice of the self-aware or the, the more evolved and, you know, the promoting the fatherhood and the promoting the, you know, the, the guy that leaves the footy club early to go look after his kids and, you know, while his wife goes out with the girls, instead of just slipping out the side, boast it. You know, tell the 18, 20 year old, two year olds, you know, you know, and if anyone gives you shit, just like, no, well, you know, this is my family. I need, and, and that's masculine. On sort of the note about showing up, and I want to talk a little bit more to that, but I want to talk about the next generation and your life as a father, because you mentioned you've got a little toddler. And what I'd love to know what kind of man you'd you'd like him to grow up to be? Like what are the values that you're instilling in him? I know you mentioned honesty and integrity, two very important values. What is it that you want to instill in your son? Um, I think fairness is a large one. Um, and being true to himself, that's 
spending time to understand himself and speaking up when he feels that he needs to. Um, but also probably empathy will be the biggest one. Um, not empathy just as much as feelings, but understanding of what others go through. I mean, hopefully when he comes through, we've solved a lot of the social issues. Um, that, but I think the next, the generation kind of below us now and then so his older generation um, doing massive impacts for it. But um, he, I want him to do whatever he wants. Now, if he wants to play footy, play footy. If he wants to do ballet, do ballet. If he wants to do both, do both. And, you know, if, and give everyone else that option as well. And, yeah, just kind of like go, go through fairness. Yeah, I love that. I think he's very lucky to have a dad like you who's very vocal about all this stuff. I think he's going to grow up being very well-rounded. Um, another couple of questions before I let you go. One of them is around your own mental health management and you and I both being very immersed in mental health. We can actually often listen to quite heavy conversations as well as really empowering conversations. So I am always aware that we as well need to manage our own boundaries and, um, you know, what we do and, and do not welcome into our lives. So I'd really love to know now that you're super immersed in this space and in the industry, what the non-negotiables are for your own mental health um, every day. Because you've got a young family. I'm assuming some things just get completely broken depending on how much sleep you get. But what are your general rules around your own mental health? Yeah, it's a great question with mental health myths, I think, um, and, and different to mental illness. But I look and go, you know, people can die or self-diagnose or worry about their mental health, but you look at um, drinking lots of water, eating right, plenty of sleep, going out and getting your sun and going for walks um, and, and human touch, whether it's just, you know, connection with mates or something like that or a partner. They're non-negotiables. Now, I talk about those because of if you can get them right, you're well on the way of having good mental health. If you notice your mental health is getting bad or if I, when I notice my mental health is getting bad, I look and see which of those I've been missing, you know, whether it's I've been eating shit, I've been drinking too much, I haven't been sleeping well, um, you know, I haven't been getting enough water, I haven't gone for a walk because I've been busy. So it's then going, well, let's re-implement them. Um, going for a walk is a massive one, especially after some heavy podcasts. Um, and also I process, I, I let my emotions flow when I need to. I mean, I, I love a quote, we don't need emotional men. We need more emotional men. So just it's not about always being emotional, but just a little bit more. Um, so there's times, especially as a father and a partner, that you have to be that stoic. You just have to have a rely on it and it's heavy. But then when you're out of that and everything's sorted, then you just I, I just let the emotions flow and that can be crying. I wanted to expand a little bit more on mental health management in terms of you just mentioned sort of taking a step back and, and meditating and I wonder how much gratitude plays into this and it's always the last question that I ask my guests before we say goodbye so I'll give you the same opportunity. Um, what is it that you're most grateful for today, Sean? I know you've been through the ringer um, the last few weeks with COVID and gastro and not getting much sleep. Um, so in times like this, when things aren't as good, it's harder to be genuinely more grateful for what you do have. But what are your gratefuls for today? Yeah, no, gratitude is a massive one for me. Um, I, I um, was writing a book, Change the Attitude of Gratitude. Um, so I think with guys, you know, it, it, it is something that isn't as just, you know, kumbaya, but it is something that's natural. I go to it a lot. Um, and that's probably with having, when 
the first year of my son, I went to Waterlight and gratitude for me is having a roof over his head and food in his stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that, I remember, you know, the amount of times at one o'clock in the morning with him screaming and me trying to feed him and cuddle him, um, I, would, I would just sit there and because sometimes, you know, you're there for half an hour just cuddling him before he goes to sleep and I would look around and I'd be like, I've got a heater, mm-hmm. I've got his own room, he's got a cot, he's fed and I'm just, there are so many people that don't have that mm-hmm. and that just ma- it just makes the, that whole experience easier to get through. Um, so yeah, gratitude, definitely just having a healthy family that's yeah got a roof overhead and fed. Beautiful. I love that. And before we go, I, I'm going to break rule here because usually I say goodbye after the gratitudes, but I would really love to know, and this came to me as you were talking about your son and the kind of man that you want to raise. Do you want to be a different father to the way that your father raised you or what would you take and what would you leave? Um, I didn't have a great role model father, a great relationship with my father, a really bad relationship with my father growing up um, at times. However, um, when probably mid-20s we both changed, he went through probably the same transformation around the same time um, and he's grown massively and it just shows that any generation can change and to the point that then I ended up moving over about seven years ago to WA where he was and working and I spent a good three or four years with him and his um, um, wife and family. And now um, I re- he brings me probably two, three times a week. I've um, got a really good relationship with him. Um, just haven't been able to go see him. But, you know, FaceTime with Brooklyn. Um, he's been a great grandfather to my nephews. But being like, you know, he's really um, stood up. So I will be different to the experience that I had growing up. Um, but it doesn't mean that um, I think that the fatherhood connection shows that anyone can change and I don't hold grudges. It took a lot to get through a lot of that stuff um, where people don't and they just hang on to it, but it's just not worth it. And there's just so much beauty on the way of uh, letting go of things and allowing people in. On that note, I don't think there's any sort of better way to finish it. Um, I'm going to let you go, Sean, but thank you so much for joining us. I really love everything that you're doing with The Modern Bloke and you're putting out some really great content and you're part of this all of these things, all of these podcasts, all of these conversations, all the content that you're posting and sharing is all sort of part of this culture change that we're really trying to create. So thank you for leading the charge. Um, there's a reason that people recommend you to me and um, it's because you're doing some really great work. So thank you and thank you for joining me. Thank you for giving me this space and, yeah, great for what you're doing in this space as well. Awesome, legend. Well, I hope you sleep well tonight and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on your favourite podcast app. Remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today.